Welcome back to another Enlightened Empaths bonus episode in our Share Your Light series. Today, I am beyond excited to welcome Julie Embleton. Julie is an intuitive tarot reader and paranormal fantasy author. Her mission is to empower creatives with enhanced decision-making and a deeper sense of self to restore and strengthen creative flow. As an author, she's used tarot for many years to guide both her creative and personal processes. So when faced with redundancy in 2021, Julie made the leap to leave behind her 25-year corporate career to follow her soul's calling as an intuitive reader. She's currently writing her ninth book and working with clients through her creative soul tarot business. But welcome, Julie. It's such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you. Denise, hi, and thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you because we had chatted before and I thought, oh my gosh, we have to introduce this woman to, to the listeners. A lot of the readings I do, it's these amazingly gifted and creative people who have hit blocks. They're, they've hit the wall. They can't seem to get out of their own way. And one of the signs I get during readings is out, my, my sign for creativity is a dam out in the woods. And when I see a beautiful whoosh of water, I know someone's tapping into their creativity. And when I see it almost like a plexiglass wall in between that, it means they haven't been able to tap in. And I think your work is about helping people get around that wall. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, as a writer, I know what it's like to hit a creative block. And it, it's a really uncomfortable and frightening place to be. And you, you can find yourself sort of looking towards a future and thinking, will I ever get over this? Will I ever be able to write or create again? And yeah, it, it, it's not a nice place to be. No, and, and I, we all know life gets in the way and sometimes it has to be put on hold. But for people who express their emotions or their sense of self through their creativity, a block can be a really detrimental part and, and cause a ripple effect in other aspects of their life as well. Oh, yes. Uh, no, it definitely leaks. It definitely leaks into other aspects of your life. Yeah, without so, a doubt. I mean, it affects your confidence so much and that can, you know, trickle through into relationships and, you know, a career if you have a job outside of your creativity and definitely. Yeah. Right. So I, what I love is on, and you can find this on, on Julie's uh, page, but you were introduced to tarot as a young child. Your dad gave you a gift of cards when you were a little tiny person. So yes, yeah. Do, do you think that that really helped shape your whole world with being open to, to Juju? <laughs> well, my, my dad's mom was very psychic um, to the stage where when she was a child, she was actually brought to the local priest to be exorcised. Um, wow. She saw a spirit. I, I think there's there's a story, as far as I can recall, of her regularly seeing um, infantry troops marching through the house where they lived at the time. Um, but despite being, quote unquote, exercised, she continued throughout her life to have psychic, you know, she was able to see spirit. And she was certainly very intuitive um, with, with a lot of things, you know, that might have been going on within the family. So even though I had a Roman Catholic upbringing and I was I went to a convent school, so everything was very much driven by religion. There was an understanding in my house that, you know, people do have abilities beyond the norm, so to speak. I was only talking to my dad about this recently, and he can't actually remember gifting me the tarot deck. 
He has, he says he just can't remember. And we were trying to figure out how old I was. And I know that certainly when I got it, my initial reaction to the deck was sort of thrill and fear all mixed up together because it was a blend of sort of Catholic guilt and Hollywood distortion about what Tara was. But he, he did say to me that he feels that he would have given it to me because as a child, I would have commented on certain things growing up more about how I felt about things. Um, I, I, I don't have any sort of clairvoyance, but certainly I would feel very strongly in terms of energy. And I would often say to my mom, um, you know, they might say, for example, oh, you know, we can go to the zoo at the weekend, let's say. And I would be able to sort of just sit down and envisage the, the idea of going to the zoo and I could either see it happening or not happening. I would, it would come up like a sort of a wall, like you mentioned there, plexiglass in front of the dam. And that's something very similar to what I would feel as a block of energy, which to me meant we wouldn't, for whatever reason, end up going to the zoo. And I remember mentioning this to my mom and dad over the years. So perhaps, you know, my dad took that and sort of went, okay. And he wasn't going to, they weren't going to say, oh, don't think like that or anything, because he would have experienced that with his mother. Um, obviously he wasn't around when she was a child and she was exercised, but you know, it would have been discussed within the family. So there was there was a, an understanding within my family that these things happen, you know, that people do have these abilities. And so it wasn't discouraged, it wasn't, I wasn't told to be quiet or that it was nonsense or anything like that. But I, even funnily enough, at that time, I didn't know anything about tarot. So when he gave it to me, I was kind of taken aback and going, Ooh, okay, what's this all about? And I took it out of the box and I had a look through it. You know, I can't even tell you what deck it was. It was a miniature deck. Um, I still have it, but it's, oh. it's not, it, it didn't follow the traditional rider weight or, or you know, it, it, it was much more simple than that. But I sort of <laughs> shoved it into a, a sock drawer and left it there for <laughs> quite a while because I really just didn't know what I was supposed to do with it. I was strangely nervous and excited about it. And I, I just, I wasn't in the place at that time to take it out and, and, and educate myself and what it actually was. But that, that did come eventually. <laughs> you just made a really, really good point because that's almost verbatim the way, like my father was very intuitive. My mother was very intuitive. My father was a medium. So it, at home, oh, sorry, train whistle going by. Wait. It's lovely. It's a lovely sound. <laughs> you never know when you're going to end up when you're traveling, right? Yeah, the last time I was doing a podcast, it was last year sometime, and the seagulls, I had the window open, it was the summer, and the seagulls were, were going mental here. And a number of people listened to the podcast, texted me afterwards and said, all I could hear were the damn seagulls. <laughs> so I think that that's a really good point, is so many people grew up in an environment where, and I was raised Catholic as well. So, and my mother went to parochial school, and it was, you know, when my parents got married, my father wasn't Catholic. So back in that day, it was considered a mixed marriage, and they couldn't mm. get married in front in the altar, and it was just a mess. So, but my grandmother made my father sign off on any children will be raised Catholic. So very, very strict. I had the same exact experience with you as at home, there was a normalcy, there was, but then as soon as you stepped out, it was like stepping through that looking glass into another world where it was taboo. And as far as the, the cards and, and all the things that are in the Bible, and for a lot of our listeners, they're in that place right now. We're on the other side of it and we've, we've made peace and we've realized it all goes to the same place anyway. But for some of our listeners, they're saying, you know what, I, I don't know how to find this, this balance between the two. So I think that you, you articulated that beautifully. 
as far as finding that and realizing you can be both. And it's about tapping into spirit. Having that lineage, I think, makes a huge difference too, don't Mm. you? Yes. Yeah. Because it could be, it it was the kind of thing you could discuss around the kitchen table. And we still do. My, My family are very open to a cult all, all that kind of thing there wouldn't be there, there'd never be a discussion where somebody go oh my gosh don't talk about that or somebody quoting the bible or so I think that's important in, in for me certainly growing up it, it was important it was very valuable that I had that at home that I was able to speak my truth really and, and talk about what I was experiencing because I think so many people you know, as young children, they experience these things and they think there's nothing wrong with it. And then when they when they talk about it, they're told to hush up or, you know, or you're just imagining things or you're hearing things or you're seeing things. I mean, my own daughter, she's she's 18 now, but many years ago, she would be up in her room playing and I'd hear her chattering away. At the time I was living with my parents, uh, with her, my marriage had ended. So I was, I was back living in my parents' house with them. And my dad had a little office upstairs and he used to be up there during the day pottering about doing things. And he would hear her chatting too. And he mentioned to me one evening and he said, this is not a child chatting away, you know, to her toys. He said, there's pauses. She's having a conversation. She's asking questions. And then there's a pause and she's obviously getting a reply and then she might be laughing or saying something or asking another question. So I asked one evening, she, she wouldn't have been more than seven or eight at the time. And uh, I said to her, you know, who do you chat to when you're playing? And, you know, without even hesitating, which is so beautiful, she just went straight in. Oh, the man who comes and sits on my bed and talks to me. Now, oh. as it turned out, it was it's, it's my maternal grandfather who who whenever I have a reading, um, this is my granddad, Chris, he always pops in. He, he's really the only grandparent I, I remember because I was 16 when he passed away. And my other grandparents were already passed when I was born or died shortly after but yeah and and I was told in numerous readings that I've had over the years that that my my granddad Chris hangs around with with my daughter and watches out for her but uh, it was so lovely to be able to just have her say to me oh it's you know this the man who comes and sits in my bed and talks to me and she was able to describe him to me what he looked like and for us just to take it and go, oh, isn't that lovely? Tell him I said hello, kind of thing. You know? <laughs> and I know, I know for so many people, they don't, they don't have that. Or, you mm. know, and that's, that's hard because I think then instantly you start throwing up walls and there's, there's blocks and it just stymies. Yes, yes, definitely. Because you're, you're, quite, you're going, what have I done wrong? I don't understand. What's wrong with what I've been doing? Yeah, and, definitely. And that ties together that fear will block your intuitive connection but it Mm. will also block your creativity will it be enough will I be able to so it it really is interlocked because I find a lot of highly creative people are very very sensitive intuitive empathic and they Mm. they use their art or their creation or their writing or their dance or their music Mm -hmm. to express that so what a beautiful beautiful gift for you and also for your daughter Mm-hmm. Um, but again, for our listeners to say, my, my child is doing that just to encourage it and not put any parameters around what they're experiencing. That's yes. beautiful, beautiful. Yes, exactly. So in your bio, you share about your mission is to empower creatives with enhanced decision making and a deeper sense of self to restore and strengthen creative flow. I absolutely love that line. Love, love, love mm-hmm. it. So can you describe how you use the tarot and your work as an intuitive 
to help people connect more fully with their inner knowing? Sure. So really, when a, when a client approaches me and books a reading, the first step is to ask why they need the reading. And I don't need the nitty gritty. I, I don't need all the little finer details. I'd rather not have them because I think it can influence me going into the reading. Um, it's, it's enough for me to know that, you know, a client has a creative block and they could say, um, you know, it's related to something. But as I said, I don't want all the details. And from that point, um, I'll sit with the client's question and, and think what's the best way to approach the subject. You know, it's about asking the correct questions of the cards. Now, that's if I do a very specific spread that's tailored just for a specific client. If they choose one of the spreads off my website, it's slightly different because they're sort of all catering for creatives. And it's, it's a case of sort of finding the right reading for, for their situation. Um, but once I have that in mind and what it is I need to read on, I lay out the cards. And really, for me, the cards are just a launching point. I understand the traditional meanings of all the cards. And as I turn them over one by one, as I'm laying them out, you know, I'll sort of be quickly reciting that traditional meaning. But once the cards are all in place and they're all laid out and I, I stop and pause and take a moment to look over them, that's when sort of the intuition really takes over and I just forget about the traditional meanings of the cards I just start to feel my my intuition is very much a gut it's I, is it claircognizance <laughs> terrible I should know the answer to that <laughs> so you I just know, know. my clairs <laughs> yeah I just know <laughs> let's just leave it at that I just know <laughs> yeah no it really is it's 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 a very um it's a very specific feeling it, it's more that I sense the energy so I did a reading for a gentleman there a couple of weeks ago and one particular card, normally when I lay out the cards straight away, I know that's what this, that's what that is. That. But with this one particular card, it was literally like a brick wall was thrown up. And although I knew what the card's meaning was, I could not connect with it. And I was just like, what's going on here? What's with this card? And I was thinking, I, I just couldn't figure it out. But then slowly but surely, as I looked through the rest of the cards, I realized that this was where his block was. He, he, he said to me his block was because of X, Y, Z. But looking at the spread, I realized that this was where his block was. And he had this whole sort of, to me, it felt as if he had this whole mental wall built up around the issue. And there was no way he was lifting the lid off that box to poke around inside it. Because as far as he was concerned, it had nothing to do with his situation. But it had everything to do with it. And the more I read into the cards and, and tie them together, the more it became obvious. And when he came back to me then, he was quite emotional because... He didn't really want to admit to himself that this is what he'd been not dealing with. So it, it's things like that for me within the reading. I pick up on the energy of the cards as opposed to sort of seeing an image of, of something happening or something surrounding somebody. You know, if there's anger, I sort of feel that kind of angry vibration or if there's real excitement and the passion of creation, I feel that rushing me. It's a sort of a heat sensation. So there's a lot of feeling for me as I'm doing the reading. And from there, then, what I really love to do is create rituals for my, my clients. So I like to give them something to go away with. Obviously, they have the reading, but I like to carry on. I don't like to just end. That's the reading. There you go. Bye now. Thanks. See you later. Close the door on your way out. <laughs> I like them to have something to take away with them. Um, and I love ritual that is positive and affirming you know, little things that you do every day that you kind of get a bit of a kick out of and that you enjoy and it's very personal. I'm not into big convoluted ritual, even, you know, in my own spiritual practices, 
I'm not into one for big complicated altar or following all the steps if I want to work a certain spell or anything like that. I just like to really keep it simple. And I think that's probably a kickback to my Roman Catholic upbringing. Mass on Sunday and the associated ceremonies were all so complicated and drawn out and that kind of thing. Yeah, so once I finish doing the reading, as I'm doing them, I'll be thinking of different ways in which the client can carry on with their their work around the reading. It'll all be very personalized. I might give them ideas for affirmations. I might give them how to create a little mojo bag that they can carry around with them every day. If they use tarot themselves, maybe some journaling prompts that they can do with tarot or their own tarot spreads. Um, all these little things. So they get attached to the reading as well. And what I want is for the client to carry on working on themselves once the reading is done. I might have lifted the lid and shown them what, what's going on, but I need them to unpack the rest of the box and work through it as time moves on. I feel when we're when, as creators and when we get stuck, you know, we can't see the wood for the trees. We're so tangled up in our own thought processes, that negative thinking and fear and all that. We get stuck. But when you have a tarot reading and you're, you're shown a way out, that hand that's offered to you and you grab it and you take it, sometimes that very first step can have a real domino effect. And all of a sudden, all the blocks come tumbling down around you. And once you start taking those steps and getting back up on your feet and brushing yourself down, it's very empowering to face something like that and to overcome it. And I think in time, then, when you look back, and you realize you've done it and you look back at what you've achieved, you, you move towards the future knowing that if that ever happens to you again, you know you'll get through it and you know how you're going to get through it. And that's, I think, as creatives, that's something, like you mentioned, you know, we, we can be such a sensitive bunch of people. And like that, we're always looking for approval is not the, the wrong, is, is really the wrong word. We want people to appreciate our work and admire it. Or, but I think that that lingers in ourselves in terms of our self-confidence and if you can overcome a big block I think that's a huge boost to somebody's confidence to be able to look back and go and I did it myself I got a helping hand but I got up and did the rest of it myself and I know in the future I'll be able to do the same I absolutely completely on a soul level understand what you're saying about this because when I do readings I do intuitive tarot as well and that's the way I teach tarot if you can learn a brief little segment of what the card means rather than memorizing the book or always going to the book and use that mm -hmm. as a tool or a jumping off point to open up to your intuition, that's where the richness comes in. That's where the, mm. the in, that's when you're able to, to bring it to the individual and not just make it a generic reading, which sounds like exactly what you're talking about. Uh, mm. The other mm -hmm. thing about empowering people, and that's, you know, my, my tagline, what I, why, if someone said, why do you do this work? I would say, I want to empower people to find their own inner knowing and light. And I want to be a conduit for spirit to bring through messages. That's it. Very simple. And mm -hmm. you, spot on with just keeping it simple. It doesn't have to be really elaborate because I think sometimes if we make it too much, uh, oh, I didn't turn to the left and do three jumping jacks and wave a wand and then, oh, yes. it's not going to work. But when you just keep it from your soul and simplistic, for me personally, and from what you're saying, it sounds very similar. It allows us to build our own unique connection and bond with spirit. And that way we foster trust that what they give us intuitively and spiritually 
will be exactly what we need to, to share with the person that we're reading for. Yes, exactly. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And that's huge. That's so huge. You mentioned also that you were made redundant, which that's a, a, a European um, thing, which I love. You didn't, they didn't can your ass and you didn't get fired. We were made <laughs> redundant. It's just so much nicer. It really is. And so I've started using that. And I have a friend and I'll say, I'm sorry, I'm being made redundant in this situation. I'm going to laugh. So anyway, I mean that with, with love and respect because it's fun <laughs> getting to talk to people around the world and pick up. Uh, what's my other one? Like I always say spot on, but people in Australia and I believe the UK will say bang on. And it's, yes. it means the yes. same, but it's just, it's fun. So, you know, amuse yourself and, and you can people, right? And spot uh, on over here is the name <laughs> of, a, of a flea treatment for cats. So <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. So, you know, you were made redundant and do you feel like that was spirit's way of saying, okay, enough, you, we've been building you up. We've been helping you get there. You've been a published author all these years. You've done this as a side hustle done. It's time. Did it feel well, that big? I hope so. I hope, I hope that's what they're, they're trying to tell me. <laughs> we go through life and we, you sit, you sit at home and you're so assured about some things you go, that'll never happen. That, that could never, ever happen. And I worked for this company for 18 years and we were all called, during lockdown to this online Zoom meeting. And we were all, you can imagine the gossip bouncing around the, the teams, the online teams, everybody trying to figure out what was going on. And when we heard that our roles were all being made redundant, like it was the greatest shock. I mean, I, I think only twice in my life I've ever had that feeling of my legs been taken out from under me. And that, and that was the second. And yes, at first it was a massive shock. And I just, I kind of was like a deer in the headlights. I didn't know which way to turn. We had six months before I, 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 would, I would finish up with the company. So it wasn't like, you know, by the way, you're gone on Friday kind of thing. But once the shock settled down, I realized that this was the massive opportunity I had been waiting for. And for about a year, maybe a year and a half before that, I had, I still do. I have a, a crystal manifestation grid here in my little home office and I have a, a little set of affirmations that I read every morning before I start to work and one of those affirmations was that I work from home full-time for myself and it took a few days after the shock of hearing about the redundancy and then it sort of hit me that this is what I had been working to manifest for so long and the idea of not immediately jumping into a new job to keep earning money and to stay on the treadmill and have my pension and have my health it just felt very daring, very naughty. <laughs> it's like, how dare you think <laughs> that you can go out on your own and start your own business? But um, no, I sat down and I thought, you know what? I am not going to get this opportunity again. And I'll do my damnness to make the most, of, the most of it. And the more I sat with it, the more started the things started to sort of fall into place. Once I made my mind up, I connected with a few people that were able to send me in direction for one thing. I started finding articles on the internet. I started finding books on Amazon. And like I said earlier about a domino effect, when you take that one step, when it's where you're supposed to be, it's amazing how things start to fall into place. When so you look back I, over your shoulder, you can see that spirit really put out the Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs for you. Step here, yes. step here, step here. But yes. you just made another really good point is the shock of being put into redundancy 
but also losing your identity as oh I when I left my my real job as a, as a teacher and as an administrator all those things if someone said Denise what do you do I'm a special ed teacher it was just my immediate response and I identified so much with that role that it took me a little bit of time so I love that you had that six months to kind of reacclimate to saying I work for myself full time mm. and mm. your timing with this is fantastic because what's been coming up a lot in the collective and for myself as well, is that it's time to redefine the dream. It's time to really look at, it's so funny where our lives are paralleling here is I manifested a certain way I wanted my life to be. And now I'm realizing, okay, what do I want to keep? What do I want to let go of? We're all kind of doing that shell game of restructuring and redefining yes. what a dream mm-hmm. looks like. Yeah, it's, it's ongoing, isn't it? You, you think to yourself when you're manifesting something like this, that I'll get it and then that's it. I'll, I'll never want another thing again in my whole life. But then you're there and you go, well, actually, now I kind of like to try and do this. And it's amazing how it just keeps evolving. And it keeps you from aging out. I mean, if you're always continuing to grow and evolve and seek mm. and read and learn and grow, well, it makes it more fun to be on the planet, I think, or at least it gives it more purpose rather than that narrow focus of this is my life. I'm going to do it for the next 50 years. And then I'm going to leave the planet. That just, mm. that seems very sad. <laughs> That's funny now because I, I, one of my blog posts I posted up last week, I had a quote from Albert Einstein and it said, the day you stop learning is the day you start dying. Oh, and I just, that really, that really struck a chord at me. So to jump to a different topic again is I, and, and anyone that's listened to the show know my obsession with being in nature and connection with, you know, the spirit of the land, all of those things. And that's really strong for you as well, isn't it? That connection it with is. the natural world. Yes. Yes. I love trees. <laughs> I think I must have had a previous life where I, I, I was like living in Robin of Sherwood or something because um, <laughs> I just feel instantly soothed when I'm around trees. Always did. As a child, we, we lived in the suburbs, but We were only a short drive from the Dublin mountains and we used to often go up the mountains on a Sunday. I'd imagine, I I have a brother and sister, so I imagine uh, my mum and dad, their whole point was to get us up there and run the legs off us so that we would make a peep for the rest of the evening. (laughs) But when we were up there, I used to collect things like we, we, you know, little bits of quartz rock or fool's gold, we call it. I think it's just tiny pieces of quartz with um, pyrite in it. Yeah, you know, the mountain trails were covered in these and I used to collect them or acorns or pine cones or whatever I could find. And I used to bring them home. And uh, my sister and I, when we were in school, there was always an altar in the classroom. And my sister and I, we shared a bedroom and we liked the idea of the altar, but not with the crucifix and the candles and all, and all that kind of thing. So we used to put flowers and all our little bits and pieces. On it. And I used to gather up all these things. And I also had a book that I used to keep hidden under my bed. And, you know, I'd forgotten about this for years, but I used to cut pictures out of magazines of trees, flowers, plants, birds, leaves, feathers, anything. And I used to stick it into this book. And I had no idea why I did it, but I used to stick them in and I used to like looking at them. And I wonder, was it, I say to myself now, maybe it was my very first book of shadows and I just didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) That that is so fun. I can remember my mother saying to me, said, Denise, why do you have to bring all these damn rocks and sticks and shells and twigs into the house? And I've done it my whole life. Like to me, that's a treasure. If I go somewhere and I find a little treasure, you know what I've changed though, is now I ask permission if I'm going to take it. And I didn't used to do that. I always ask 
the you yeah, know I say I have this well. and I say that same yeah, thing yeah but mm, the, yeah I what I'm finding lately is the trees and I've shared this before is sometimes I'll walk through the woods I'll be drawn to a certain tree I'll put my hands on it and I'll download a message or I'll feel that it's an amazing amazing way to feel like this whoosh of energy and you feel so grounded and connected it's, mm. it's beautiful and sometimes you can actually get download messages and one of the places I stayed recently there was a 300 year old oak tree and I did that it was a such a sense of reverence and connection so I've been playing around with a little bit because I'm, I'm traveling right now in, in different state parks and natural habitats and the different distinct personalities of the trees cracks me right up <laughs> I mean, some are fun and light and, and, and you can feel it if you, it's a great, great way to hone your clairsentience and your senses yes. is see where you're drawn. Yes. Um, yeah. So do you use that connection with nature as a way to recharge your own batteries? Yes. I live beside the sea now and it's beautiful. It's ever changing. You know, the Irish sea is, is she's a very moody thing. <laughs> so she never looks the same even within a minute she can change her appearance um and that's it's beautiful to walk around here but there's also um, a park further up the road it's it's a drive away so at this time of year it's it's not ideal definitely there i would f- come back from a walk like that feeling far more grounded and myself because of all the trees and now it's beautiful some of the some of the walkways are wide some of them are very narrow but they're all surrounded by trees and I lived a few years ago, I rented um, a little house that was on a farm and the farm was massive and it was only myself, one other tenant and the landlord who lived there. Um, And we all had our own houses and we could walk around inside the farm. And this place was absolutely beautiful, untouched, had been left alone for years and years. So nature was just doing its thing. And like that, I had many nooks around the farm that I used to go in and just sit quietly and the peace that that comes from the grounding, the sense of your feet, even if they're in shoes or, or bare on the ground and drawing that up, the sense of peace that, that infuses me every time is just, it's, it's better than any medicine. Absolutely. I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I know we need to start to finish up, but I would love you to discuss your writing a little bit because we do have a lot of people are being drawn to write books and, Mm-hmm. Do you have a process that you follow? Is that just that you, some some folks just can't not write. They have to physically, mentally, and spiritually write if they're going to be here. So how does that work for you as far as, because you have this very prolific series. It's incredible. You're an amazing writer. How does that fit into your world as well? So I started writing when I was a teenager. And I really never wrote for myself because I had all these stories in my head and really, if I didn't get them down on paper, I wouldn't be able to think straight. They, they, they consumed me and I would become very distracted by them. So I started writing them down and filling up notebooks with them and never, ever thought that, oh, I'd like to be a writer. It was just some a physical act I had to do to keep my head clear. And then I you know, grew up and got my job. I lived in London for a few years and I wrote while I was in London. And again, it was the same thing. It was my job was very stressful when I lived in London. I was in hotel management I was away from home. I was quite homesick. I had some people around me who were very negative people. And, you know, life wasn't great in London. I wanted to come home, but I knew I needed to stay within my career because then I would be able to transfer back to Dublin. So I found a lot of healing and comfort in writing. 
And then when I did come back home and I stopped writing for a few years, I got married and had my daughter and, and, you know, life just kind of got in the way. But then I got back into it again and I realized how much the absence of it had left a void in my life once I did start writing again. That stage, I think I had a very, I had one of my series is the Voyager Chronicle series, which is a, a fantasy. It's an epic fantasy series and it, it, it's worlds, you know, sort of a medieval setting and a contemporary setting. And there's realms and there's sorcery and all sorts of shenanigans in it. And this series came from a very, very short, brief snap of a dream that I had. And I decided that this whole story just blew up in my head. And after all these years of not writing, I thought, oh, yeah, I must put this down. And I did. And it just grew from there, like it grew legs from a 10 second dream. I think now that this, the series itself is close to half a million words between the three books, which is phenomenal to think of something that came from just a really short snippet of a dream. But I realized as I was writing that, yes, like you were saying, I can't not write. I'm more at peace with myself in the world when I have all these ideas in my head and I can put them down on paper. And it is in some respects writing, especially fantasy, is an escape from reality. And God knows over the last few years, we could all do an escape from reality. (laughs) And I've I've found over the years that when when I'm going through, you know, a lot of emotional upheaval, that writing is my cure. When my marriage ended, writing was so healing for me. When I was living in London and dealing with all of that stuff, it was so healing for me. And now I understand the importance of and how touchy and irritable I get if I'm not writing. It's yeah, it's just I think it was you you actually who said it to me when we were chatting the last time you said to me that you'll just write until the day you die. And and that's the truth of it. Whether anybody oh. reads my stories or not by then, I, I don't know. I don't I don't care. It's just the actual act of physically putting the story down. I think that's one of the reasons why you're able to work so beautifully with creatives is because when you talk about your writing, I mean, I can tell you love the tarot, you love your connection to spirit, but when you talk mm-hmm. about writing, it feels like a sacred connection for you. It feels, mm. inc- I, I literally put my hand on my heart as you were speaking because I could feel the energy be- behind your words and gifting or helping walk someone through with a reading to find how to reconnect with that is mm. a gift beyond measure. And I'm, I am doing a shameless plug here. I gifted a, fr- a dear, dear friend of mine with a reading. She's an amazing, amazing illustrator. Uh, it brings tears to my eyes how gifted this woman is as a creative. And she has had been going through some interesting times. And she did a reading. She, she said, you're reading, literally, it was incredible and deep and rich. And so for, for me, for my dear friend, thank you. But please, please keep doing what you're doing because you're the real deal. And we need more people who are doing this work, not from a place of ego, but from a place of service. And you do that absolutely beautifully. So thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. So if anyone is interested in getting to know Julie a little bit better or working with her with a tarot reading, you can go to creativesoultarot.com. It's a beautiful site and there's a lot of fun stuff on there and you can read the bio and get to know Julie a little bit more and book a reading. You can also find more about her work as an author on julieambleton.com and Ambleton is E-M-B-L-E-T-O-N. So 
thank you. Thank you for coming on today and sharing your story, Julie, because I know in my heart, so many people are going to resonate with what you've shared today. Oh, thank you. It's been lovely to be here and to chat to you again. You're really the epitome of our this whole plan to share your light. And I know in my soul, someone out there heard this and they're like, wow, I know I can do it now. So thank you. And to all of you that are out there listening, take care of yourselves, find your way to share your own light and realize that no matter what it is, if it's important to you, it really does matter. Okay. Take care.